Hello and welcome to Postgres Event, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I'm Michael, founder of PG Mustard, and this is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about today? Your choice, uh, and it's toast, yet another boring topic. I think it's the tastiest breakfast snack, so I thought you might actually want to talk about it being, you know, food related. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, okay. I agree that this is something that everyone should learn, at least in some detail. Not maybe deep, but I mean, all developers should understand how Postgres stores data and why limits are so good. I mean, we can store up to one gigabyte of data in a single column, in a single row, in a single column. I mean, a single cell, if you speak a simple language. And it's great. So you can assert really large values, usually. Yeah, this is one of my favorite types of Postgres feature in that it's on by default. It does something that most people never have to worry transparent, about. We, we, the correct it's tra- exactly transparent and on by default. And it, it helps in so many ways that you might never thought have thought about, or you might only hit a limit. And I, yeah, I, I love this kind of thing because you can go through life never knowing about it and it's still helping you out. Unlimited toast, toasts to everyone, almost unlimited. Yeah, so should we start with what it what we're even talking about, I guess. If for anybody new to this, we're talking about how Postgres well, based on a couple of Postgres limitations, specifically you can't store a row across multiple pages and the default page size being eight kilobytes and kibibytes. Kibibytes, sure, yeah. And there's one other thing that is specifically limited, I think a two kilobyte limit so that it can store at least four rows or tuples per page. If we only had that, we'd only be able to store small and medium values in, in Postgres, right? But we, we want to be able to potentially store sometimes larger or relatively large um, pieces of data from time to time. Yeah, let's uh, warm up with small topic. Um, maybe like it's not about toast itself, but it's, it's like it's good inter topic. Uh, uh, recently, very popular YouTuber and uh, blogger Hussein Nasser, Nasser, uh, sorry, I always pronounce other names wrong, but they pay me for the same because my last name is very difficult to pronounce. So it was a great, great couple of posts in, on Twitter, LinkedIn. How many rows can we insure? How many tuples actually? Let, let's speak correct language here because we are on Postgres FM podcast, right? Not rows, but tuples or tuples as you prefer. How many of them can fit into one single page, which is, as you said, by default, uh, eight kibibytes? And it, it's a great question to understand the internal layout. Uh, there is a page header and it's some, some static uh, amount of bytes. Number of bytes is 24 bytes in each page is allocated for page header. Then from both directions, we have, uh, we fill page with some data. From the beginning, we fill it with pointers to tuples, pointers to entries, right? And each one is only four bytes. So each tuple in page, the pointer takes four bytes and they start from the beginning. But real data comes from the end of the page, right? And uh, of course, the size there depends on the data itself. But each tuple there has uh, always has uh, a header as well, tuple header. And it's 23 bytes, but due to alignment paging, it's padded to 24 bytes. So alignment paging, it's for performance reasons. Uh, data should be fetched in, in like so-called words of eight bytes. That's why 24, not 23. 
And uh, it, it means that we can fit a few hundred uh, of tuples, right? But interesting point that you can create a table without any columns at all, right? That's interesting. So you can create table, parentheses, that's it. Create table T1, for example, parentheses, that's it, semicolon. Postgres allows it. Of course, it's not like standard thing, but Postgres allows it. Why not? We will always have internal like virtual system column, CTID, XMIN, XMAX, as we discussed a few times. So you can select CTID and it will provide page number and offset there. Offset, this is like exactly this pointer. And so we can start inserting, insert into T1 select. Again, select in Postgres, select clause allows uh, empty uh, list of columns as well. It's, it's some kind of trick. And this is how you can reach uh, a little bit more tuples inserted to page, two, 291 tuples. And uh, the overhead is huge, actually, in this case. But I would like to say it's not 100% because uh, uh, number of columns, uh, number of uh, rows or tuples we have, uh, it's also some knowledge, right? But almost 100% wasted for overhead for various headers and pointers. Yeah, so we're looking, I guess we're, that's the theoretical maximum number of Practical as well. I, I, I did it, uh, but nobody nobody wants empty. It's, but it's not useful, also. right? Yeah, if you're some storing testing data, maybe. In some testing, yeah. sometimes it's useful. But it right. does mean that in, in practice, we'll only ever have a maximum of a few hundred rows per page, even if you're only storing very, very small amounts of data. But I guess we're talking about the opposite in this case. We're talking about yeah, the other is, end of the limit. Yes, this is extreme. I just wanted to to give wider uh, understanding of what like of what we talk about. This is extreme <laughs> situation when we have zero, like no data at all in the table and we can have 291 tuples. Then we start having some column, for example. An mm -hmm. interesting thing, it doesn't matter, like smallest column probably will be one byte. Uh, if you take, for example, Boolean, Boolean is one yep. byte. Already a lot of waste, right? <laughs> because it's not bit, it's it's byte. But we, uh, like, this is how the world we live in. Like, we, we need, this is a lot of overhead and relational approach. Of course, if you need to store some bits, probably you need to create some additional storage or pack them to bytes and, and store some somehow differently. But take, for example, one byte data type, again, it will be padded till eight bytes and you will be able to store only 226 rows because of this overhead immediately. The same for regular integer, which is four byte, it will be padded for, with four zeros in each value or integer eight or big int data type. They all will, will take the same storage and you will be able to fit only 226 tuples into a single page quite straightforward <laughs> and and uh, if it's time timestamp of timestamp with time zone which it both takes 16 bytes okay you will have less you will be able to fit fewer tuples into a page because uh, they might be just one row but many versions of it right mm -hmm. so now let, let's go to toast now finally right we add more and more or for example we decide to have a column of, from Varlina family of, of data types. So Varlina means variable length. For example, text, varchar, JSON, XML. Previous episode, yeah. Yeah. Or numeric, for example, as well. Because hmm. numeric is exact number and it can take a lot of data. So it's also Varlina. 
Interesting. But yeah, typically this would be a, a text field or a JSON field. That's pretty common, isn't it? Or, right, right. And so they all behave similar, similarly, and they all involve uh, this mechanism toast, which uh, works uh, implicitly, transparently. We, we usually don't think about it until we deal with some performance issues and we need to understand what's happening under the hood. So what, what is toast? Uh, it's, yeah, let's. Let's discuss. I was really interested in where the name came from, and I looked into the mailing list, and I think the original reason for calling it Toast, uh, so it's an acronym, but the, the original reason was it, it's about slicing. So if you, if we go back to the, the page size and we, let's say we're just trying to insert an 80 kilobyte blob of text. Now to fit that. We, we can't fit that in an eight kilobyte. Uh, so I probably picked a bad format there for, let's say a megabyte of text into an eight kilobyte page. Naturally, we're going to struggle and we've got the limitation that we can't store it over multiple pages. So this is a, a strategy for slicing that data up uh, into multiple tuples off, like in a separate table and storing pointers to each one so that we can reconstruct it. Or that, so that the, so Postgres can reconstruct it later when we request it. it. It also, by the way, includes compression. So that will, I'm sure, will come to that. But by default, we'll first try and compress it, and if not, we'll store it off page. And yeah, so the name comes initially from slicing, and I think there's some funny like people kind of working backwards into acronyms, which I think is how a lot of things end up getting named. But I think the the generally accepted one is the oversized attribute storage technique. And it had a, a code name of toast or the best thing since sliced bread, which I found funny. And I'll, I'll include the mailing list thread there for anybody interested in that. Yeah. Imagine toast with gin, how they work together. <laughs> right. Yeah. So about technical aspects of it, roughly, very roughly, when our total length of all columns involved and one tuple value approaches roughly 2,000 bytes, uh, this mechanism starts, starts working. There are many details inside it. We, we like podcast probably not the best place to discuss everything because like there are many if, else and so on and details, uh, how it works. But roughly Postgres tries to fit at least four values in one page. That's why actually I wanted to bring this topic uh, of uh, the maximum number, but at least let's, let's have at least four values in, in one page. It means we need to shrink value to chunks, roughly 2000 bytes. And some data will be in the main page, but other chunks will go to a separate table, which automatically created called toast table. For each regular table, we can have up to only one toast table, right? But it can have many, many chunks for each value. And this is interesting. What should we discuss about it? Let's, uh, let's talk. So there's a couple of things. One, kind of like the performance implications of that, both good and bad. Also, I guess, when do we need to worry about, we've, we've got certain values that can be, certain things that can be changed. Should we ever change those? So there's default, so there's default compression, for example, there's default, whether this is even on or off. Yeah. There's a few things to be wary of, like the usual kind of select star. Or even whether we should store, you know, we, we can we can use Postgres's version of this, or we could avoid storing this data in the database at all. That's not that's a common technique. We could 
store it ourselves deliberately in a separate table to avoid some of those issues. Like, I guess we could discuss some of those pros and cons. Which direction right. would you like to go? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, it's as we already discussed on previous episode about JSON, no, nothing can beat narrow cases when we have really small, small number of columns. All columns are small, like even if Varlina uh, data types involved like text, uh, the actual values are small. Everything fits like roughly total values of tuple uh, is uh, less than two, 2000 bytes. By the way, the easiest way to check uh, the size, it's really I interesting. You can select T1 from T1, taking row record. Um, you can convert it to text and you can get length of it. But also there is a, uh, there are special functions, PG, uh, column size. I don't remember by name on top of my head, but it's possible also to, to check uh, it uh, more like wisely. But quite often I use this trick to converting whole record to text and just getting, checking the length of it. So if everything below 2000, nothing can be that this because toast is not involved. So there is no overhead because of course, uh, if you need to read whole tuple, you need to join with like Postgres needs to join with toast table and uh, multiple uh, records get and extract multiple records from toast table and then collect everything and and, and it, it's, it takes time of course and and uh, there is overhead here uh, without toast it's much faster obviously that's why we discussed uh, in JSON episode if uh, JSON values are below two thousand performance is much better. Once we approach roughly 2000, we have some degradation because toast st starts to be involved. But interesting thing that it's quite, there are many things uh, we are done to make toast quite efficient in terms of performance. For example, we know MVCC Postgres model when you change, when you update some row, a new tuple is created and the old tuple is stored. Also, until AutoVacuum deletes it, uh, seeing that it's not needed anymore, not all transactions look at it, can look at it. So it's for Toast, it's slightly different, right? So the, in Toast, it, there is uh, like special version, versioning applied and it's quite re reduced. So only inserts and deletes and updates trigger inserts of Toast values only if Toast value actually changed. If you change some different column, the same toasted uh, records, toast is regular table actually, right? From first glance, glance. But uh, update happens in the main page. It can be hot update actually inside this this uh, same page. Very efficient, not involving index, uh, not causing index amplification problem. But toast, we just reuse the same records for new actual tuple in in main page, right? in main table. And this is quite interesting and this adds efficiency as well, right? Yeah, very much so. And I read another cool thing, which is that the the large values in the, from the toast table on, are only pulled out if they're selected at all. And they're only pulled out at the time the result set is sent to the client. Now that's super interesting for things like in memory processes. So if we're like, for example, if we're sorting rows, and we're carrying like large rows around, that's going to take up a bit more space in memory. And if, if we only have to pull out some of that larger information at the end, chances are more of that's going to be done, you know, quicker uh, and with less footprint. So it, 
it's super interesting some of the benefits this comes with yeah. that some of the other things we mentioned that don't so yeah it so yeah, this means putting all columns into select clause which sometimes ORM can do it can cause issue with performance so you can be much more efficient if you select only those columns you you really need at this moment right yeah uh, so i think Rejection. It's slightly different. Yeah, so this is like a select, this is a typical select star from problem, isn't it? Now, that has other issues, like if, what what happens if you add a column? Select star is, um, kind of can change on you. It but, uh, but yeah. Convenient, right? You, yeah. you have everything. For anybody who's listening on audio, Kalai has got a smirk on his face and he's definitely joking. Right. So, so uh, what about compression? There is automatic compression applied, which is lightweight, not super high ratio, the, uh, producing not super high ratio, but doesn't consume too many CPU cycles. Yeah, I guess for anybody trying to test this out, in fact, I read a good blog post of somebody trying to test out Toast, and it looks like the first example they picked actually didn't trigger a Toast table as they were expect, or didn't trigger any chunks to be inserted into a Toast table because the value they're inserting whilst it would be two kilobytes of text, it compressed really well because they were just re so, doing a repeat character, for example. So you're saying so it, it yeah. was compressed before going to toss tables and it, it, it could fit uh, main table. Main table exactly. was enough. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's a better way of describing it. it, it at first, if the, if the whole tuple, as you mentioned, looks like it's going to exceed two kilobytes, the first thing that Postgres tries to do is compress a like one or it presses as, as many of these toastable values as it can to store them on the page still. And only if it can't, will it then move them off the page into a, into the toast table. So that's a really important thing that's on by default. That can be like every combination of this is possible, but yeah, by default, it will try and compress and it will by default use, a, and this is something I didn't realize until a year or two ago, it will use a Postgres, a PGLZ compression algorithm. And since Postgres 14, you can use uh, LZ4, is it? You can um, control. I don't remember, but there, is, there are options in, in new Postgres, there are options to control. But I would like to emphasize that you also can control and tell Postgres not to try to compress. Because if yeah. you, for example, have some value which you know already compressed, it, it, would, it would be not good in terms of efficiency to try to compress it once again. So you can, uh, you can tell Postgres to have like something like storage external. In this case, it would go to toast uh, immediately without compression attempts at all. Yeah, exactly. Really good point. You do pay an overhead. Like I think, I think one of the benefits of LZ4, I think it's, um, well, with compression, there's normally like a trade-off, right? It's how well it compresses like versus speed of compression versus speed of read. And I, the benchmarks I've seen. LZ4 does come out on top, but I guess it will depend on the exact scenario. But it, as you say, if it's already compressed, it doesn't matter what algorithm you're going to use, there's going to be overhead for no real benefit. Right. I'm not a, a big compression expert, but of course there are many like recent advances in, in this area, uh, not only Pied Piper and so on. Uh, and uh, it was like, for example, broadly, we use broadly uh, quite often for wall G compression of walls when we do backups. But I'd like to say it's good that we have uh, more controls. It's very, it, like, it's very good. But recently we had a 
brief uh, small uh, like word battle with CTO of Victoria Metrics, and we discussed number of rows versus terabytes of data. For example, one terabyte for me is always something like one billion of rows roughly. And for them, it's roughly one billion of rows is one gigabyte of data. So it's like three orders of magnitude difference. Why? Because they talk about time series as often, for example, Victoria Metrics, right? Clickhouse uh, column store, and they live in very different world. Unfortunately, with Postgres, we still don't have quite good battle proven column store. There are attempts, there, are, there is ongoing work, uh, several teams working on it, uh, we know. But when we talk about compression, it really shines when we have column store. Yeah, because or, the data is more similar, right? Like, right, right, right. Because you, when we you try to compress values in row, not not uh, involving the context of other values in the same column, uh, you are in worse position. So the compression topic, actually, Peter Zaitsev interview happened this week on Monday. Uh, on Postgres TV, a very good chat it was. This is his idea that uh, you, you should consider compression and expect good results only if you combine this topic with a storage engine topic. And uh, for column storage, much better. Or like Timescare, they are very smart. They st still work in, in row store, but they apply compression looking at column. It's a really interesting article. We already discussed it a few times. So worth referencing once more time. But again, in some cases, uh, some compression in place, it's good. And it's good that we have more controls in yeah. Postgres 15. But I hope in future... 14. 14, sorry. I hope in future Postgres versions, we will have in core product, we will have column store, storage engine, providing the same level of compression like... Maybe not 1000x, but 100x. And uh, in this case, we will also say, okay, 1 billion rows, it's not 1 terabyte anymore. It's like 10 gigabytes, maybe. Right. Yeah. Should we talk about some of the limits of Toast? Like, what's the maximum size? Of one row? gigabyte for one value? I don't remember. The limits are quite good, but sometimes we hit them. And for me, the biggest limitation is that Toast is not uh, applied. Like for indexes, it's not applied. There is compression there. I don't remember details, but I remember like you cannot index really huge value of like 100 megabytes. You cannot index it. You need first maybe hash it and, and, and index only some expression. So this is one of the biggest limitations because in Toasting, it's applied only to heap, right? this full-fledged toasting. So this is one limitation. One gigabyte for values, another limitation. What else? I read a couple more in the docs, but I don't think you're likely to hit them. So for example, you can't have more than 4 billion toasted values in a single table, which would be a lot given they all have to be a, over a certain size. You know, we're talking about terabytes of data. Well, I, I can easily imagine that we can hit it, but before that, we probably will face another performance issue. So everyone with table more than 100 gigabytes should already use partition. This is another benefit of partition. And then one more kind of slightly uh, hypothetical one, please don't do this, but you could, I think in theory, you could only have about 450 wide columns in a table. Uh, how many? 450. Columns that are toastable or something. Yeah. It's a lot. 
It's a lot, but still, I already saw cases when it was achieved. So yeah, pretty big numbers, but things to be aware of if you're working in an extreme case for some reason. Right, right. And uh, if you if you care about uh, super like if, if storage efficiency, my advice is to learn about column Tetris in Postgres. It's like this is quite common term already, and uh, I usually there are two approaches: uh, either start from big to and go to small, or vice versa. I prefer starting from small columns first. For example, all one byte, two byte columns go first. Then we have four byte columns, eight byte columns, sixteen, and then all varlina columns go last. In this case, uh, you probably will have fewer zeros due to alignment paging and spend fewer bytes, maybe sometimes gigabytes actually, or hundreds of gigabytes if you have big data volumes for storage. And it's not only for storage, it's also for the amount of RAM, both for shared buffers and page cache, and also for backups and so on and so on. Sometimes uh, the benefits of applying better column Tetris tactics uh, are good. And toast, yeah, toasted like Varlina toast should go last, and in this case, uh, it's good. If you mix them, this is the worst case. Irregular integer, some text. Regular integer, some text. In this case, uh, you will have a lot of zeros due to alignment painting. I read a good post by Braintree, who I think built a, they built something to help kind of, it's almost like repacking a table. Like for example, you can, you can sort out a column ordering that makes sense initially, but then what happens if you add a couple of columns, does the order still make sense for large enough tables? They found it could be worth changing it. So well, that's a really good. I also build it. I, I have a, a small report. I, actually, it's not small. It's recursive CTE with recursive, analyzing uh, this for any table and proposing better uh, order. It's in my Postgres DBA, quite old tool, like ad hoc tool to analyze some Postgres cluster aspects. So nice. yeah, and some people use it, I think. There's one more blog post I wanted to mention before, it's kind of on this topic, but kind of not, is by Haki Benito. I've mentioned it in a couple of episodes, but this is almost a side effect of the fact we have Toast is he noticed that there was some kind of medium-sized text. So he defined small text as being, you know, like integers, timestamps, small numbers of bytes per column, and then large text being kind of like the blobs we're talking about here, you know, whole HTML pages or larger things that, you know, are automatically going to be quite big and off and therefore off the page. He mentioned there was, he called it surprising impact of medium-sized text. So kind of still text fields or, you know, it might be a comment on a blog or something could get quite long, could, could get into the multiple kilobytes even, or just about still fits on the page. So it's below that threshold we were talking about, two kilobytes compressed. Now these, if you, if you start to only have, for example, that limit of four tuples per page and you, you, you know, they're getting towards two kilobytes each, suddenly if you're doing reads of multiple page, if you're doing kind of scans. You could be having to read quite a lot of data for the amount you're returning. If you're not returning those columns, if you're not returning, for example, the comments, you don't need them for the query you're doing. You're still having to go through quite a lot of pages. So efficiency wise, those sometimes you might want to deliberately store yourself in a different table so that you can fit much more data on the pages that you are scanning more frequently. Yeah. So it's a really interesting blog post. 
sometimes uh, one one to one relationship uh, it, like might seem strange but it makes sense so one table is for very compact storage and another for all like bigger values yeah exactly but in this case you always should remember that there are no indexes on, on top of two tables so you lose some uh, index only scan for example or index scan opportunities right yeah was there anything else you wanted to cover on this one no no that's it i think right i think so thank you everyone for joining us thank you nikolai see you next week thank you bye bye